Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Andy J Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Andy J Podcast. I hope you're having an excellent week and whatever you're doing is making yourself and better still, someone else smile and I hope you're spreading a bit of kindness. Now, listen, we have a fantastic guest today, a remarkable woman, a trailblazing individual, the amazing Mary Portis and what a life she has led. From the challenges and resilience that she had to display as a child and talk about that later in our conversation to the fact that she managed to blaze a trail as a woman in business at a time when that was rare. I'm not saying it's easy these days for women, but I'm hoping that the path to ascension is easier than it was. In Mary's time when she started out, she had to push against so many doors and my goodness, she really did. She absolutely stormed the barn and did it with aplomb. Her CV is as good as you could imagine. She is unbelievably, brilliantly successful and amazing and remarkable. She's an incredible woman. She's a pioneer and she's also just great, great company. Now, I have to tell you from the outset, and I'm going to play you this from the very beginning, literally from the ring of the phone. There's no introduction. I didn't get a chance to say, hey, here we go. How are you doing? La-di-da-di-da. Because we just fell into a chat. Uh, We were asking how each other were before recording. Often, very often I'll have a bit of a preamble with my guest for a few minutes before I actually hit the record button but for some reason I had started recording with Mary and we just sort of kept going we kept chatting so I didn't get a chance to give it a big big intro now I can tell you that this was because we were speaking the morning after England had just beaten Germany in round 16 of the Euros so we would have spoken on the 30th of June and she was buzzing and I was buzzing and you'll hear why because, of course, the football just brought us all to life. And we were speculating then that we might go on and do it. And, oh, goodness me, didn't we come close? Wasn't it wonderful? I'm so proud of our boys. They did so well. They, oh, united the nation and, and were wonderful human beings and just so much to be proud of and impressed with. Sure, we, we, didn't, we didn't win, but, my goodness, the things we achieved off the field. Oh, so much to be proud of. Anyway, back to Mary. Mary's amazing. I think you're going to love this. Fascinating, fascinating conversation. Some incredible revelations about herself and her life and how she's had to overcome so many different challenges. But most of all, I think, is Mary's message. I think, listen closely to what Mary has to say. There's so much we can learn from her. And the way that she explains her new mythology, the the new plan for the future, how we can all move ahead with an economy of kindness is such a vital thing to hear. So sit back, have a good old cup of tea or coffee, or whatever you do when you're listening to this. Maybe you're taking me on a walk or in the car or before you fall asleep. Whatever you're doing, thank you for your company. I hope you enjoy this one. It's a special conversation. We'll be back with more big chats. I believe it's Chris Tarrant next week. Yeah. So have a great chat. Enjoy yourself. Tell your friends if you like this. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. And dive in to Mary Portis. Andy J Podcast. How are you doing? I'm very good. How are you? I'm alive and kicking, thank you. <laughs> Especially kicking after last night. Can we talk how good that was? Oh, I mean, <gasps> what a relief, huh? Uh, I, I walked back from the office because I can't bear it. I can't bear every year my eldest son. I have sat through the Euros or watched England play in the World Cup and just thought I can't, I can't watch it. <laughs> and, and I can't, there's a special boy. <laughs> and my young son last night said, my eldest son went to it. And I said, right, okay, I'm not going to watch. I'm going to walk back from the office. And I walked down through Tottenham Court Road and the cheers coming. So I thought, I've got to just go over to the pub. And I heard the cheer and the first goal go in. So I just sat with a pint in the pub. Brilliant. 
Oh, that's yeah. Amazing. Well, you were just, you were just completely finish. on your own. Completely on my own. I love that. With my dog. And I just thought, this is too amazing. It was fantastic. It so was. I sat with the client outside looking in through the windows and the atmosphere was insane. The trouble is, Mary, I've, I've got carried away. Because I've gone, okay, Ukraine, we can beat them. Germany are yeah, out. Yeah, same here. I'm us. there. I'm there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> France I'm there. Out. Yeah, we can Sweden, do this. Yeah, yeah, we can do this. Is it Ukraine or Sweden? I thought we don't know it's yet. Ukraine. Do we? Yeah, it's Ukraine because they played last night after us. Oh, yes. it, oh, yeah. yeah. It, no, I'm there already. I know I can't get to that. So I'm Saturday night down. I'm, I'm in. I'm going down to the country this weekend because I'm. Uh, there's a big. Um, anyways, all of my kids are there. I cannot. It's just gonna be so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It is, and do you know I what, it. Mary? I, I feel like we've started our interview. Already. I hope you don't mind. But, yeah, we haven't. But, but, we but do you know what the the thing is? And, and actually, this ties in, and we we can get onto this as well. But my view on on the football last night, because we're both on a high from it, as is the whole country. Yeah, of course. yeah. But the fact is, we need this after yeah, after everything we've experienced in the last sixteen plus months as a yeah. nation, and before with Brexit and all the rest of it. I feel like we need something to unify us again. Do you know what I mean? I agree. I totally agree. And I was listening to the commentary afterwards, and and, and it was wonderful. Actually, is it? I can't remember the German. Um, is it? You, you, I can never get his name right. Who who sits um, with Gary Lineker? Klinsman. The German. Klinsman. Klinsman. Yeah, what Klinsman. a gentleman he was! Yeah. What an absolutely clack, wonderful discussion. And and, and and listening to the football players afterwards as well, which often I'm terribly disappointed in. And all of them said what you said, which was. We wanted to make people smile. We wanted to just bring back this sense of togetherness. I absolutely love that. And I think, you know, we forget this so much and living where we've lived in our worlds of just going on Zoom calls and being in our homes. That Actually, that human connection and us coming together as a nation is so part, just fuels, fuels our souls. Yes. Yes, you're so right. I, I must admit, it, it felt a little strange seeing the crowd. I mean, it must be even stranger for you with your son in the crowd because seeing so many people massed together, it, it feels kind of bizarre still, you know? Just yes, kind of, it did. Whoa. It did. I think they all had to take tests before they got in yeah. or whatever. I mean, yeah. he, uh, he, he, <laughs> he went to the Scotland one, which was rather boring. But anyway, beforehand. <laughs> but I think they had all tests together. But, you know, <clears throat> yes, it was a bit, yeah, seeing those huge crowds, it was quite I think it's, scary. I think it's just like, well, we'll, we'll put 45,000 people in a stadium, but you can't dance with your friends at a wedding. You know, it was a bit like... Yeah, I know, oh, I know, I know. On? Strange, but there we are. There we are, um, <laughs> Mary. Mm. I was going to give you a big intro and everything, but I, I love that we've just fallen straight into all of this. <laughs> it's mm, uh, because I, it's just so wonderful. It just goes into your whole body, doesn't it? And that little joy. It's mm. it is, isn't it? It's that lift. And my goodness, if we go on and win it, do you know what? Actually, if we just get to the final, the buzz that will give us, and this, and the belief oh. that people need as well, oh. that charge of we can do it. It's like when we won the golds at the Olympics, you know, yeah. with Mo Farah and Jess Ennis Hill and all that. When they gave yeah. us that belief, fantastic, and, and Danny Boyle, and you know, it just yeah, it's it's that again. Yeah. Isn't it? It's that spirit. And I think that I, I remember I was in Greece when the at the actually opening ceremony of that, um, and the, that, that first. When it, cause it was such a different opening ceremony, wasn't it? I mean, it really was. Only we could have done it. And I thought, first, what is this? This is this is slightly random. And then you saw the brilliance of the man that brought together what we as a nation have created. And you, and there's this, there's a swell of pride. And I don't care. That's deeply important. We need that. We need to, you know, be proud of what we've achieved. And I think so often we do knock that, don't we? And we just read the headlines, and it's so insidious. And it's so easy to pull down the energy. We need to look forward. I hope, I hope that this just triggers a new sense of ourselves and that, you know, everything changes. That's the thing is that nothing stays the same. And hopefully we're through the worst of the pain that we've been through this, these last 18 months because it has been terribly difficult. And we start to hold on to those joyous things that, that bring us together. Yes, exactly. I don't want to see any more headlines about politicians kissing assistants in doorways and all the rest of it. I, I, I want to see the nation excited yeah. and proud and together. Yeah. That's, that's what I want. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah. That's same, what here. same here. I love your comments about the, the Danny Boyle Olymp Olympic opening ceremony as well, Mary, because, of course, with your, with your creative brain and your visual panache, I imagine mm -hmm. it meant even more to you. 
Yes, I mean, I love, I, I adore theatre. So, you know, the guy is one of our greatest on, on creating, uh, you know, putting stories together. That's what it was. It was ad, able to make stories and put them together. And that's what we connect with as humans, isn't it? And, uh, yeah, no, I love I love his work, everything he does. I thought that was an extraordinary feat, the, the opening of the Olympics. And then I ended up myself sort of, standing in the rain at many of the games it poured that summer <laughs> uh, with my kids. I ordered as many tickets as I possibly could. Yes. But I think, you know, this is what I talk about in um, in my book, which I'm sure we're going to get onto. Yes, of course. <laughs> I, I mean, as she seamlessly, <laughs> as she seamlessly takes over your role and goes, oh. But, um, <laughs> because actually, just, just what, what is listen, the heart of this? <laughs> no, but, but Andy, what is at the heart of this is humanity and people. And, and and how we connect and how we're neurobiologically wired to connect and how community and connection and kindness and respect is actually all we crave and and how I think that is so vital, whether it's the football, whether it's the Olympics or whether it's creating, you know, businesses or high streets or whatever that brings us together. I think we, we cannot overlook that. That is central to our well-being. And um, the more I see stuff like this, the more I see football, the more I see people and their excitement and their communication and the Olympics, those are, we're, not, we're all dancing on the same pin here. We need to understand what we need as humans. And that, to me, is the heart of even what I talk about in the kindness economy. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, the book for our listeners, the book is called Rebuild, How to Thrive mm. in the New Kindness Economy. And it is, I mean, it's it's for everyone you say in the book and, and we'll we'll dive into it. And I also, I hope you don't mind, Mary, I'd like to draw from your past and your life that, that's got us to this point as well, that, that explains your understanding and your experiences. Of course, I mean, I know you've, you've chatted at, at length with other people about it, but this is the first time we've become friends, Mary. So I, I you know, I want to sort of <laughs> examine that as well. Uh, and and you say at the start, you know, this book is everybody. It's for everybody. It's for people that want to spend their pound consciously. It's for businesses that want to do things better and so on. And mm. it's a sort of guide. And interestingly, you can approach this book as a business, reading it from with your business head on or as an individual. And you have a guide throughout the chapters that help mm. people from the most basic of things. For example, getting your values aligned. Here are some podcasts you could listen to. Here's some books you could read and so on. And this is what mm. I mean about the alignment of, of your values through to the COVID reset and so on and so forth. It's a, it's a really interesting and, and very different approach, but it's so important. And I think it's yeah. so important... And and to understand, I'll give you my version of this, Mary, and, and tell me if you think I've got this completely wrong, because I'm not a business person on any level, but I think I'm, I'm trying to understand the central point that you're communicating throughout this book. And that is when I, when I personally decided to move to London to begin my professional life, one of the things that I craved was the ability to walk into a local pub, and by the time I'd got to the counter, to the bar... The barman would have the drink he knew I would want waiting for me, would know my name and would want to check in with me. You know, that was my that was what I really hoped for. I'd be able to walk up to the bar. There'd be a cold pint of Guinness waiting for me because they'd spot me on the door. Oh, there's Andy. Here we go. He'll want a Guinness. We'll have that waiting by the time he's at the bar. And it was that sort of knowledge, that community spirit. And I was elated when when that did happen, actually, because I'm, I'm very old. And so I, I was able to have that. And I, I cherished that. I loved that. Mm, it didn't matter mm. if I was meeting friends in the bar or not there was a guy in there who knew my name and gave us stuff mm, i'm with you and that for me is a sort of dumbed down potted version of some of the themes in your in your book does that make sense <clears throat> i don't think it's dumbed down at all i think it's potted and it's a metaphor in what you're talking about quite succinctly is connection yes but this is this is what makes us feel human that is absolutely vital to us and we are now living in a world digitally where so much can be done and we've seen it and COVID has shown this more than anything we can communicate from our living rooms or our bedrooms if you're living in a flat and you're online we are now dating online and we are losing that connection and when I talk about that when I talk about it in business you know and on, when I did my high street report 10 years ago you know, all I got from government was, have you spoken to the big chief execs of the supermarkets and, and Philip Greens who are making a lot of money? And you go, hang on a minute. 
they make you a lot of money. Yeah, very great. But but are you telling me that the job here is to just create profit? And what's happened over the last God knows how many years is that we've only only measured success by growth and profit. GDP. You, you, you'll get up in the morning, you'll hear the news, oh, whatever sales are down, or they only grew by whatever percentage. And we've only, in the past God knows how many years, come to realize that growth at any expense is killing our planet and killing our well-being. So we've got, we've got an opportunity here. And I think one that COVID has brought us to go, do we need to keep going like this or do we do it differently? Mm-hmm. And we've seen so many businesses collapse Here's an opportunity to rebuild. And I, I've been talking about this for a, a good few years. I started with my book on Work Like a Woman, on all those ideas that we bought into that actually getting to the top of the business ladder and just selling us a lot of stuff and making a lot of profit. Those ideas are fundamentally wrong because they're killing the planet and our, and our well-being. So one thing that COVID has brought us is a conscious and an understanding of what we've been talking about that at the root of us as humans is connection, community, and we need businesses. And here's the thing. I was watching, watching, watching over the years when we've seen the fight against plastic, the incredible marches from Greta Thunberg, all these what started off as subcultures becoming mainstream cultures. And I realized that the biggest change that we can make happen is business changes. Because that is the biggest influence on whether we are putting CO2 emissions out, what we're doing. If you look at the industry of business, fashion industries and what we sell, this is the area that needs to change. So if business can rebuild and create businesses that have a kindness economy, now I keep the word economy in there because I know you still want to make profit, but how about you do it by putting people first, and I say people before planet because this whole planet will keep going. We might bugger it, and then we'll go, but it will regrow. It's done it time, a millennia, millennia, millennia. So let's put people first and, and create businesses that feed humanity, create social progress, that give back to community, that give connection, that think about the planet, but also make profit. Simple. Yes. It's simple. And, and do you think that businesses themselves, because of course it's easy to say this is, this is what the public want, this is how we can do this, this is how we can move forward. Do you think businesses themselves are switched on enough to go, well, that'll dent my profits in the short term, but okay, I'm in. Or do you think they'll still say, no, 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 money, 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 that's all I care about, cash is king? Well, I, I won't repeat it on radio because I'm not allowed to, but there's, I put it in my book. There's the don't give a monkeys, I use another word, and there are the ones who do give a monkeys. Yeah. And, of course, we've seen those, what the don't give a. You know, I watched the Black Friday, which I think has got to be one of the lowest points in the calendar of our world, Black Friday. How much stuff can you just sell? And I think one online fashion site was selling a dress for 20p, and you're like, you telling me? that somewhere in this chain someone isn't being abused. Yes. Of course, of course. And that 20p dress that someone buys, they'll go, well, I'll chuck that away because I'll buy another one that's maybe five quid because that's okay. And everyone tells you it's democratic fashion and it's for people because they can't afford much. It's absolutely, that's not what that's for. That's for you guys. You've got a system, you've got an operation and you're pumping the stuff up. So there'll always be a bit of that going on. But here's the thing, we are seeing a whole shift in how we as people, and that's why I say this book isn't just for business, it's for people. We have started to become conscious of how we're living and how we're buying. We're seeing a new generation that is one of the most beautiful generations, Generation Z, who are actually really questioning how they live in this world and how they buy and what they're doing. It's a much, much kinder generation than certainly mine. And so, and we're seeing pressure, of course, on the global summit. So we've got to do something about this. So that collision of the two coming together is making us go, I'm going to buy differently and I'm thinking differently. It's not something that's going to happen overnight, but it's happening. We're seeing a growth in recycled, vintage, secondhand resale market, which, you know, when I, when I 12 years ago started my Mary's Living and Giving charity shop, those were areas that were seen as down at heel. 
those are now becoming very sexy places to buy and swap clothes. Mm. So it's shifting, it's moving. We're seeing businesses, interestingly, and on my podcast, The Kindness Economy, I talked to these businesses, Lush, Mark Constantine, who's been doing this for years, one of the most successful retail brands that we have. Absolutely. Everything that he does is putting people and planet at the center of his business. Anita Roddick was doing it with a body shop back in the 70s. Yes. Absolutely ahead of the game. And they're getting themselves back on doing that. We're seeing great players in banking. We're seeing them across in food, in beer, who are making this happen. And they're the new entrepreneurs coming into the market on it. So I'm just making a louder voice for people to go think about who you're buying from. Because the pound that you spend will feed either the don't give a whatever, or the ones who do give a monkeys and yes. care about our planet and you. Yes, yes, and it's. Uh, I mean, it's also you've sort of outlined some of the some of the businesses, and I know you also talk about BT and and Sheep Inc and so on in in, in the mm. book. And it's and it's very encouraging to see. Well, there are some power players here. There are, of course, boutique and upcoming and startups and so on that are already mm. doing everything exactly right. And those are the ones that need the sort of loudest spotlight, as it were. But but there are brands. I'm just thinking about sort of products that I have purchased in the last I don't know six months. For example, trainers that you know have been made with recycled ocean plastics or yeah. there's a set of boots Brilliant. I've got from a from a company that have a have a, a mantra and they swear by it that every pair of boots you buy there's a pair of boots that get given to a family in Africa so you know you sort of yeah think, or they're planting a tree oh, exactly that and and yeah, it's lovely yes and and it it's it's a strange thing and this is where I think it comes back to your wonderful phrase the kindness economy because actually it gives you as the as the purchaser as the person that has spent that pound it gives you a sense of well-being and a sense of pride exactly exactly and what it also gives you is i'm buying from a brand that cares yeah i'm buying from a brand that thinks about this planet and me and isn't just selling stuff at me and i'm seeing that those businesses they're changing they've changed the way we even market moving away from selling at you to you buying into what they stand for. Now, at the heart of it has to be great products. But, you know, Patagonia, one of the most successful businesses, their campaign that they put out when it was Black Friday was, you don't need to buy another coat, just repair it. Mm. I mean, this is, we've not seen this. Imagine standing up in front of the chief exec of some global company 10 years ago and going, right, we're going to put out this campaign, don't buy from us, just repair it. They'd be like, just get out the door. But you see, what's changing is our understanding of business and the way we even behave in business. And I, I often call those the feminine skills that, that were seen as put in the human resources department, you know, communication, collaboration, sometimes vulnerability. Those are coming to the fore. And, um, and because of all the shifts that we've seen, because of what's happened in the world, and because of things like the Me Too movement, we are becoming kinder individuals. And how do we harness this and make this bigger? And it's like conversations like this, because I actually genuinely want to leave this world and think I actually put a little bit more in than I took out. That's all. That's all. And if business did that, and we as people, I don't even call us consumers, we're people. If we did that, what a better world we'd have. And so it's just, it's out there. I couldn't not write the damn book because, you know, I went through this in COVID and just realized that we are, the old world is crumbling. We cannot rebuild it back the way it was. And there was a beautiful a quote that I found by um, Gershom Solon, which he called, these are the plastic hours where you have time to make change. Yes. It's just that time where this is it. This is it. Something really significant has happened. Do not lose that opportunity that, that, to make the that, change. That plastic <clears throat> hours quote. Sorry, Mary, to interrupt, but the, the plastic <clears throat> hours quote isn't wasn't that in a reaction to the Holocaust? Have I have I got <clears throat> it right? Exactly how he wrote it. Here is what will we learn from this? <clears throat> this one of the most appalling, appalling things to happen in the world. What will we learn from this? And <clears throat> we have got this now. We have got something that has killed many in the world. And we are looking at why is this? Why is this happening to us now? What are we going to learn from this? And for me, how do we rebuild? For me personally, how do I play the part in rebuilding? I've spent years, you know, working with brands, you know, a bit of mea culpa, 
helping them sell more stuff. I blindly didn't even think about this stuff. Didn't even think about it. But it's come to us now that we are in a precarious position on our planet and with our people. How do we make a better world? And I believe business could be central to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so heartening to hear this as well, Mary. And you're, you're absolutely right. You know, we look at the new generation coming through and they are a different tribe and they, they have their challenges. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've heard mm. people sort of cite that they don't have enough grit and so on, not enough of a backbone or whatever. But but nonetheless, I, I would dispute that. Actually. But what do they even mean by that? You know, <laughs> well, what do they even mean? You don't have enough of a backbone. What, you don't have enough aggression? Do we need that? <laughs> yes. Do we need another bit of grit in the old, I mean, like, seriously? Yes, I'm, it, I'm, it, I'm it, citing examples that... I, that you, you, they get vaulted against them. I'm not suggesting it myself, but but nonetheless, no, no, what, what we do have, which is ever so apparent, is this much more open-minded approach to the world, to other people, and and actually, yes, yes, yes yeah. to the planet, yes to businesses, but also to yes. accepting of other people's choices, transgender and and so on. You know, whereas, Country, diversity, sexuality, yeah. of course. You know, I remember like my my daughter said to me, you know. I've been interviewed, in, and they're in a big interview in the Times, and they still talk about my, you know, partners and sexuality. When are they ever going to get bored of this shit, Mum? <laughs> like, who cares? I said, well, darling, there's a lot out there that will still, they want to pump those messages. The more insidious you keep pumping those messages out there, the more we think, you know, we're in a world that's not accepting. Just crazy. Yes, it's it is bizarre. I, I would say though, Mary, you know, you talk about how you mm. you know in, in your past you you were focusing on selling product and and, and all the rest of it, but yeah. very clearly as well, you obviously were mindful of this at some stage because there's that famous Christmas window that you the, the window display that you created where you left it blank and said, well, this year the money's going to charity, and I yeah. mean that remains. I still remember that. I still I, I, I still remember that. As just as being such a powerful thing and, and and that effectively you can bring it forward today can't you that's that's what everyone yes. needs to do yes. that's what we all yes. need to be doing this now yes and i think um you know people often say to me oh we're going back i said no 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 we, we're actually what we're not doing we're not going back we're actually opening up this this we're clearing our eyes and we're going what was important to us and I think it's not a nostalgic thing. It's what were the tenets of society that made us feel connected and made us feel that we were good humans? That, because we're never going to stop shopping. We'll need that. But we can do it with a conscience and we can do it with an understanding, whether we're recycling, whether we give stuff back, whatever. The kindness economy isn't, oh my God, everyone's got to be 100% sustainable. It's got to happen now. Mm. No, just think about everything you do. And that window I put and I remember the year and I had to sit with the board and sell this in and it was everyone's like no way that's going to make people feel really crap about spending when you're saying we're not making a jolly window that's full of you know joy and glitter and fabulousness and gifts and blah 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 blah, blah. <laughs> and I, that's going to make people feel bad about spending is it is it just it's just the remembrance that you know these people have left than us and the, you know, the thousands I was spending on windows. What if we gave that to those charities? And of course, it was one of the most successful things that happened and people gave more. So they came in, they went, how can we donate? Yes. It was just, I think we've got to allow people to be their best selves, you know, to be better. We all want to be better, don't we? Yes, we do. I, I, yeah, we do. I just think we do. And there are times when we know when we're not. You know, we all fall off. I mean, there's no sainthood here. We all fall off it, but Actually, deep down, most people are good. And that's what we want to show to the world. I I hope that's right. And I think it is, Mary. I I also feel, you know, we're talking about how this has to come from businesses and brands and so on. And actually, in the short term, I'll use cars as an example. You know, everyone's being told we need to drive electric because it's better for the planet. In actual fact, the studies are, 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 that doesn't check out yet, but it will in the long term. Nonetheless, mm. people are being spoon-fed this, you need to drive electric, and, and, and that's the message that's being said, and, and ultimately you understand that, 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 is, that it comes from a good place. And the challenge you have is that people are bringing out these cars that are just far more expensive than the petrol engine versions. And mm. you almost need to say to the brands, look, you've got to at least level the playing field. You know, if it's the same car but a different engine, you've got a battery or a petrol engine, and you want people to buy the battery you're going to have to take a hit on it. You're going to have to make it the same price or less mm. because otherwise yeah. how, how have we got a chance to, to do the right thing? We as consumers want to do the right thing, but if you're offering me what I know 
for vastly less than what I need to be doing, I'm going to go with what I know because it's costing me less. And you sort of need the businesses. To, I, I don't know. Am I am I wrong here, Mary? Because I am not the business person. You, you know, I'm asking. Really. Well, no, but that, that that is the thing because the hit that they will take now will not be a hit in the long run. Yeah. But this is this is the short term termism versus the long termism. Of course, there is the other thing of you know if we looked at a society which is happening in um, Milan and parts of Australia where we want to create what they call the 15-minute cities, that we create places that are 15 minutes within walking or cycling distance for all our needs as yes. a human. Yes. Then you start to realize, how much do we need a car? And if we had the social infrastructures of really a government that looked at how we live um, and actually created towns, cities, and resources that fed that so we didn't have to drive as much, that we're actually looking after the planet, then we come up with different answers than us all having to buy electric cars. So there's always another way of looking at that. Um, and, and, and of course, we all want to have the easiest lives possible, but sometimes doing the right thing just takes what I call a little bit slower and a little bit deeper and less. I, I love this quote that someone said, it's about, um, it's about an inch wide and a mile deep rather than a mile wide and an inch deep. And I kind of, I don't know why, but that, that visual metaphor of how we've lived, quick, fast, wanting everything, actually this is slower now and deeper and we have to recognize that. And we have to recognize that that's the way we need to live in the world, more consciously, slower, deeper. Uh, it's become far too fast, and we we have this expectancy that we want everything at the price that we want. I mean, talking about fast fashion, yeah, we all those fast fashion brands say we make this so that people can afford fashion. Well, actually, that's not the truth. You look at those brands, and people are buying truckloads, bagfuls of it. <clears throat> yes, we want fashion to be an accessible price, but. Why does it have to be brand new? Why, what, why they're buying that much is because we're selling them the idea that this is what you need to be fabulous. Mm. Now, go back to the 70s when I was a kid, that idea wasn't sold. So you had stuff that you wore time and time again, or I had secondhand clothes that my cousin would drop around. I mean, my most excitement was a bin liner with my Auntie Kathy coming up the drive of the bin liner. I knew in that bin liner was my cousin Caroline's clothes. Yippee, I was getting the hand-me-downs. Because no one had told me that new, 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 and that I had to go on Insta with the latest look was what I needed. So we've sold this. The marketeers, we've sold this. We've sold the dream yes. that more is better. It's Wolf of Wall Street, isn't it? Well, it's, it's Wolf greed. of Wall Street. I remember that happening. And I remember going to New York because I'd just gone into business in the 80s. And I remember thinking, actually getting stressed by it and thinking, God, this doesn't feel good. But it's what you did. It's what you did. Those were... The tenets of success were power, fame, and money. And we've hung on to those. That's, that's it. Power, fame, money. That's what success is. Yes, and interestingly, How you change that? all three of those things have changed immeasurably since, mm -hmm. since that. You know, fame, fame is now being on the internet. It's, it's now uploading stuff to TikTok. It's going on a yeah. reality show. It's not having a skill and being a success no. in your world. It's not having a talent or having Paul Newman's eyes or whatever. You, no. you, you know what I mean? It's, it just seems to be sort of ready-made, pick it up, go for it, make a splash, and, and you're disposed in a few weeks. Money is now crypto and Bitcoin and, and all the rest of it. Mm. And as for mm. power, that seems to be even, even weightier these days. Yeah, yeah. You know, See Trump, for example. It, it's just a. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm getting it wrong. But I do feel that there's been a very strange change in the world. And you're so right. We have a chance now to reclaim it. To yeah. Get, to get it right. Yeah. And uh, how do we shift that? And you just have more and more voices. Whether you get kicked down for it doesn't matter. You just tell the truth because that's all that matters. And doing what's right. And instinctively we feel it. And we all as humans know this. We all know it. We all know it, and that's what we have to. That's what we have to connect back to as our truth, our inner truth, and not what the truth has been sold to us by the world and the infrastructure of whatever media is out there. That, that's what we have to go to. You are you are banging the <clears throat> drum, and I and I feel <clears throat> I feel that it is you know you're providing a rhythm that I think is is already resonating around the world. Do you think there are enough big businesses that will make this change quickly enough for it to for it to land? Look at Unilever. It's absolutely committed to this. It's one of the biggest, I think it's the second business, biggest business there is, of course. It will happen. Mm. And it will happen through people, that, the power of people and the power of business. It has to. 
And um, I, I absolutely think we're seeing greater diversity in businesses. I'm interviewing them on the, my podcast, Kindness Economy, and you just think, wow, this is fantastic. This is great. And I, as I said, there's always the eagles in the corner doing whatever. That, that's okay. But we as people have the choice to look further and deeper and go, is that what I want? Is that what I want for my child? You know, who are you buying from? Who are you connecting with? We guide that. Who are your friends? Who are you hanging with? Are you out there smoking? Are you doing drugs? We do that. Why aren't we doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so this is all what's going to do our planet. So I, I think the more we talk about it, and this, this is how movements happen. This is just a movement that I'm going on about. And I've met greater people than me on it, more articulate, more knowledgeable, great economists, great, you know, anthropologists. I've met them, business people, and I just keep opening up, keep talking about it, keep pushing, and the shift will come through. And I think from global, globally as well, from the, the nations that are making this happen, invariably run by women, just putting it out there. You know, we have to acknowledge here, and I'm sure there'll be some people that will go mad, that the patriarchy and the, the values of the alpha individualism that has ruled the world for far too long is killing it. We need kinder people in the world. And it's not soft. These soft skills, are not they're, they're the difficult ones to do. Because to truly, truly question yourselves and to truly love and to truly give and care about people and our planet is a, is the most difficult thing to do. It's easy to be aggressive and fight and go out there and just want to get to the top of the path. That's easy. Those codes are very easy to follow. They really are. This is the tough stuff. Yes. Yes, but the tough stuff is where it, where the where the battles won, isn't it? You know, we need enough people to be tough, and and we'll get through it. Uh, and yeah. you have given me great hope, actually, Mary. I um, you know, I, I sort of sometimes, I'm sure everybody does sometimes look at the world and sort of despair but there are there are the right voices the candles are being lit in the right places and it does feel like you know you call it a movement and it does feel like actually and in a way in a perverse way we sort of needed covid to kick start this i i'm with you i'm with you i you know i i am absolutely to kick us right in the teeth and other parts to go what's happening here please look at this if anyone's listening just just think Think about that, because that's where we need to sit. We need to percolate this, and we need to go out into this world and go, I do care about this. And there is hope. Don't ever feel diminished that there isn't hope. I, you know, I'm, I, I've, I've always been the one that change happening will open up and make things better. I know it's difficult when we look at our politicians. I know it's difficult to go, crikey. It, it is when you look at that, but we have to have this voice. And I love your little metaphor of the candles big lit. I love it. I love that. I think I'm going to use that elsewhere. <laughs> we need to light those candles. We do, we do, we do. And, um, you know, I, I'm for one, I'll just keep banging the drum on it. Good. I, I mean, I am inspired, Mary. I, I must say, you know, building up to this chat, because I, I'm, I'm privileged in, in a situation where I get to talk to a, a vast number of very different people. But a lot of them, as you can imagine, you're just chatting about them and their life. It's not the bigger picture stuff. It's, it's you know, what happened to them when they were 16. Well, in fact, there's a very pertinent thing that happened to you when you were 16, which we can come to. Yeah. But but I, I did I did wonder if... I would be a bit too dumb to ch to chat to you, to be quite honest. I did sort of think, am I? Is it just going to be all over my head? Am I going to be at loss? So you've you've explained it so brilliantly, and you've kept it simple for me. I really appreciate that, and it has given me, like I say, this great sense of hope that actually, if I can get this, if I can understand what you're saying, and you operate on a much higher level, if I can understand the key messages, then anyone can. Well, that's because I don't operate on a higher level and you are connecting on a deeper level with me on this. It's not that you, this isn't about our intellect. This is about our deep inner frequency, our souls and knowing what's right. That's what this is about. And, um, you know, I know that when I was doing the high street report, you talk about this stuff and you get laughed at. We'll stop it. No more laughing because it's the only way we're going to get out of this, quite frankly. Um, and, uh, you know, we all believe we can't talk openly about stuff that might be you know, connected to our real purpose of why we're here on this damn planet. <laughs> and it ain't to just buy more stuff and kill it. That is for sure. Yes. So what is the reason? How do we create a place where there is harmony and connection? And humanity is one of the most incredible gifts that we've been given and this planet. How do we connect that together and, and bring the power of us together to, to make change because we, we have gone off piste we've gone terribly off piste and we need to get back on and you're right and it's not about intellect it really isn't because you know when I did when I started this journey it just came from within and I you know 
did my TED talk and stood up on it. And then I started researching and found great brains that had started to write on it and did much more intelligent stuff than me. Um, and I, you, you do think, oh, God, can I go out there and do this? But actually, this isn't about intelligence. This is about what I'm, what you are feeling and I'm feeling that this is right. Yes, it's, emo- and therefore, it's emotional intelligence. It's, it's an emotional intelligence. But an emotional intelligence comes from being connected to you. Really, your inner frequency and not the outward one that you get sold from day one of what you should be and how you should be and what the world should be. Yes, and, and, and at the end of the day, when all is said and done and you're, you're in your wooden box, no one remembers you for the crap you've left in your loft, you know, that needs to, that yeah. needs to be taken to charity shops. They remember you for the impact you made and the person you were and the kindness you left and the impressions yeah. you, you gave out to the planet. Uh, Mary, I'm going to go really deep on you for a second and, and then, I, yeah. you know, then I'll, I'll try and step mm. back. Have you, are you familiar with the poem The Dash by Linda Ellis? No. I would love you to just have it, take some time to read it at some point. It's, I'll paraphrase it. Uh, yeah. It's very simply about a woman who's sitting on a park bench um, looking at a gravestone, at a tombstone. And she realises that it's not about the date you were born or the year you died. It's the dash in between. And the... I'm just seeing it now. That's so gorgeous. Do you know what it reminds me of, what you've just said? There's my favourite, one of my favorite Sufi poets is um, Rumi. And he talks about one and one equals two. We all know that. But don't forget the and. Yes. Is that similar? Yes, it's it the is. Dash. It's, the, it's and. the dash is it's it's not about the cars, the houses, the cash. It's how you live and love and spend your dash. Totally lovely. Especially totally lovely. It just felt relevant. Mm. Sorry, Mary. I just mm. a little bit of a poetry. Don't apologise to me. <laughs> I'm a massive poet fan. Yeah. I'm reading. I'm reading Sylvia Plath's um, biography at the moment, and uh, you know, you just see where her poetry came from. It's just extraordinary. It's the most. It's the biggest. I mean, like, I read it in bed, but it's huge. It's like the Bible. Gosh. So poetry, poetry often speaks to me because truths are within that. Yes. And when you can't, I remember my old um, English teacher saying, often when you can't express yourself through the written word, poetry does it for you. And I think that's very, very true. Yes, and my goodness, Sylvia Plathley lived a life, didn't she? Crikey. Mm, mm, yeah, mm, no wonder mm. she had a lot to draw from. Um, Mary, I feel we should change tack slightly because, of course, we've we've delved into business and the impact that we need to be making, and 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 how we do uh, you know rebuild is the word you use. It's the title of your new book, and it's it's a it's a critical one and, a, and a, an important one. Can we can we step back and talk about you and and what's got you to here? Are you are you comfortable mm, having, a, having a chat sure. about you and your life? Sure, because of course, I must say ahead of ahead of this, before I received the book, before I read it, I was aware of your remarkable journey and. You know, sometimes you just can't remember why you know something about someone. You know, sometimes mm. you just have a connection to someone. And mm. obviously, you, everybody on the planet knows you, particularly here in the UK. And you've got your, your famous trademark haircut, which is no longer. You've, you've changed it. Mm. I'm sorry to go mm. sort of tabloid on you here after our, after our depth of our conversations. I'm not, I'm not looking for headlines <clears> or anything. I'm not, not interested in that on any level. But the point is, you've had an image change. So you could walk mm. down the street now. People would expect to see you with your red bob. It's not there anymore. You've, you've changed your look. Mm, but nonetheless, mm. that's one of the things that the public will identify you for, like Chris Evans with his glasses and so on. You know what I mean? But yeah. for some reason, I have I've just always been aware of this sort of remarkable resilience that you've had to display throughout your your life from from the age of sixteen. Can can we sort of just step back? You're, you're one of five children. You're the fourth of five. You know, very yeah. busy family sort of remarkable upbringing your childhood as as I understand it and these aren't my words but your childhood was was full of laughter full of surprises and delight and it was as a happy one initially yes 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 do you want me to continue or do you want to (laughs) it's entirely up to you I mean there's the it's it's probably a known thing these days but I still find it sort of it breaks my heart when I when I think about this your your mother passed away when you were 16 years old um and I, I've, I've, I've read that you've used the term that that ended your childhood. That was it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So my mother, um, I mean, you know, we were, yeah, I, I, I use the word working class and people do, but you know, when my, you know, my father was a teacher and my mother was looking after five kids with all two year, one year gap, but she, they were brilliant. You know, my mother was feisty, fiery, redhead and, 
wrote his poetry and played her little fiddle. I say violin because I want to be snobby, but the fiddle. <laughs> and, you know, and uh, was very much about education. I mean, I, I cannot understand. My mother was one of eight from, you know, County Fermanagh or Tyrone. I never know which, which part of the border but of the um, which uh, county exactly. I think she was on between the two. And she... You know, but my grandfather wrote poetry and played the fiddle, and she came over from Ireland with my father, and to her, education was all. She knew algebra. She used to sit with me doing algebra and and then helping us write our, you know, essays and science. I thought, how did she know all this? I don't know, but she did. She was a very, very, very bright woman, and as my father was very driven, and he, they married and had five kids. It was all two-year, one-year gap between us. And then, you know, at 16... You know, she just died suddenly of encephalitis. Um, and it, it was the end of my childhood. I can't describe it any other way other than it became, you know, I have this vision of me coming home from school and mum was always there. And Lawrence and I would get in first because the elder ones, we, we would be the, the, the younger ones let out early, I think about sort of 3.30 and they were like quarter to four and mum was four o'clock. So mum always had a little snack and the dog would be wearing their sand, the old Labrador with the greyhound mix. And, and then... She died, and it was suddenly just. I can't. I can't. I can just feel, and I think about it now. It's just grey. That's all I can say. And mm. um, you came home, and there wasn't anyone there. Yes. Uh, nothing. Nothing. So it. it it's. Um, and you know, you just fit. There's nothing there. You. I had a key, and never had a key, so I had to have a key. And then you came in, and my elder siblings had gone to university, and so. Lawrence and I were left at home and then my father would come in but he'd expect us to cook the meal. I'd never cook. So you'd start cooking the meal and then he was in great grief. So he'd start crying and then start listening to old Joseph Locke records that they used to play together. And so I'd be crying for him and sort of his grief. It was all I can just describe it as the years of just horribleness. I can't I can't describe it any other way. And um yeah, I think it was about five years before I got through that. I didn't think I was depressed, but I, I, I was in a state of terrible grief and, and I think depression. This, yeah. is, this is how, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Robert Webb um, from Peep Show and various other things, but he, he also lost his mother suddenly, age 16, and uses almost exactly the same words as you about, about what it yeah. did to him. Um, and and he was in a similar situation to you as well, if you don't mind me saying. What happened no. next? What what happened next to you was very very peculiar. And and, and so in Robert's case, he had a stepfather who just had a, a a baby with his with his mother, and he didn't he didn't really have this connection with this father, and he didn't know what to do. He didn't know whether to go and live with the stepfather or to try and reconnect with his yeah. his real father, who he didn't really have a bond with. And he was completely thrown and all at sea and didn't know what to do. Now, what happened to you? We'll stop talking about someone else. Apologies. Uh, what happened to you? Just, I mean, I I keep thinking about it, Mary, and I think, how on earth did you manage it? Your your father's behaviour, I I can only assume partly through grief and confusion, etc., was was utterly baffling to me. I, I've thought mm. about this. I, I've thought about this so much over the years since I've known about it. So I, I have a chance to ask you about it now. Your father met someone else very quickly. Yeah. remarried, effectively leaving you alone with your younger brother in, in the family home. He, he effectively moved yeah. in with his now new wife. Yeah. A, a, and then he himself died when you were 18. Yeah. And, and that came with, <clears throat> with an, an absolute landslide of hell as well because he'd left everything to his new wife. I'm not going to call her your stepmom because I think that is... An, is no, that would be far too big a title for her. Yes. I mean... She sounds like one of the most poisonous women alive. She mm. she she took your home. Yeah, she was married to him for nine months, and um, I can't remember. <clears throat> neither can my siblings. Whether that was because legally she was the wife, so she got it, or whether he'd actually written a will, we still can't. But you know, the time was so traumatic and grey that it and uh, that it's a blur. None of us can even remember leaving our family home. And I don't know where the stuff went. All I wanted was a little blanket that mum bought me with little Scotty dogs on it. My sister had one with ballet dancers on it, and I love those blankets. And I just think, why didn't I take that? But I think we just were in a state of complete and utter shock. So he, he, in a way, you know, we, 
Lawrence and I, when we were at home, and my siblings used to come back at the weekends, and that was my joy because they'd come back at the weekends from wherever they were, uni, and, and so we'd all get together at the weekends. And our, our goal was to get Dad out because all he was doing was crying. So he went to some widow and widower's club and met this woman. And within, you know, I don't know how, eight months had married her and then nine months later died. So he left Lawrence and I in the family home and moved in with her. And then he used to come back once a week and leave us money for food. I mean, it was bizarre. <clears throat> and um, did you, did and, you know and at the then, time that it was bizarre, Mary? Did you think at the time this? Is I was. Really you know strange. what? I don't. know, because you're in such a terrible place of pain and grief. I also was slightly embarrassed by it. Right. And I didn't want people to judge him. And I was embarrassed because I thought, oh, I should know better. I, I am older now, and I was doing my A levels and. Yeah, you can look after Lawrence, and I, I and and we were just lost. I was, you don't think, you just don't go. God, this is terribly embarrassing. You know, this is this is wrong. You just think, oh my God, my father's remarried, so we're here. What, what? You know, you you don't even question in that way because you're in a sense you're in survival mode, and you're in grief, yes, and you're in mourning, and you're lost. And you're young, and you're trying to do your A-levels, and you're trying to wash the sheets, which you didn't realise. How often did mum do it? I don't even... When do I hang it out? Because what if it rains when I'm at school? And, I mean, just, well, and you're a and teenager, you and no one's helping you. With and you're a teenager. your body and your mind and everything. And your yeah. mind, and you're, you're dating, and you're wanting to see boys, and, you know, that's not going to happen, and you wanted to hang back at school and do the rehearsals that you can't because you've got to get back because, of, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it's a... And um, so, so when 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 she when Dad died, um, we were literally just left with nothing. And I remember because my uncle lived in Camden, and then a great family friend who had four kids lived in a little semi-detached council house. My auntie, we call it Auntie Sheila and Uncle Harry, and, and uh, they just took me in. in. But, you know, three-bedroomed council house with four kids who were all much the same age. Gosh. And I remember even then thinking, they can't do this, they can't afford this. So I was also felt really bad there as well and embarrassed that I'm, you know, on, on them, but they were just giving love. And it's always the people with the least to give love. Yes, it is. Yes. And um, I don't know, somehow, and I got through it, I don't know. But, um, and I don't know, was I always resilient? I don't know. Um, all I know is that I was the one that was left there. My, it could have been my elder siblings, but it was me who had to sort of run the house and do the finances and get the food and Lawrence and I just taking turns to cook or whatever. And you just, you just, you just get through it. Um, yeah. And I did. I, 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 I would imagine any psychologist listening or whatever would be able to join things together. And I know when I, you know, been interviewed before so many people say that often people have been you know relatively successful in business have had the entrepreneur's pain as they call it i don't know i wouldn't want to put my kids through it again that's for sure no it's it's not <laughs> something you, no it's not yeah i'm not sure want. to get to get to get successful in business i need to go to that no i wouldn't that, that was yeah that was um but you do get through it and the world is an incredible way of this uh you know of looking after us i think one of the things that even got me through the COVID, I remember listening to someone talking on the radio and saying, you know, when, think of a time when you never had enough money or never had enough. And you think, oh, my God, there's plenty of times I did that. Yes, you did. You had enough. You got through. I had nothing, but I had enough. And I think, well, that I always hang on to. I had nothing, but I had enough. Yes. So we get through Yes, yes, and you know that if you can, if you can survive that, then you can get through anything. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I must say, I, I think people making the connection between your great business success through through what you had to go through when you were sixteen and eighteen, it, that feels a little cheap to me. I suspect you would have been a success irrespective of what happened to you with your parents, um, because of your yeah, and your imagination mm. and your dynamic sort of can-do attitude and so on. I, I, I think that was a, a a different thing. I don't, I don't see the connection actually, but. That's, you know, who knows? We, 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 I don't know, who knows? And there's been some extraordinarily successful people, you know, look at Branson and look at, he's had a pretty decent, you know, family there, money. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All I do know is I think what is important, actually, I do think is important, what my mother gave me was a strong moral compass 
yes. and love. So, you know, that, that you're safe, you're safe, uh, this is your home, you're loved, and a strong moral compass, you know? Um, so I think that does help. You had, a, I hope you don't mind me bringing this up, Mary, but you, <clears throat> uh, I, I've... I sort of are aware that the the, the lady your father married, um, who took mm. everything, who took everything mm. from you. And I, 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 I mean, who would do that to to, to five children? Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I just still can't. I just can't get my head yeah. around it, Mary. It's just uh, staggering. You you saw her again as an adult. And, I did, and you had the opportunity to well, confront's the wrong word, but you you had the opportunity to say something to her. Uh, could you share that? <clears throat> I can melt and Spencer's of all places. And um, I was I remember it was a really happy time. I had my two young children and, you know, my marriage, my lovely husband, Graham, and we were in M&S. And it just, you know, you've got, and I had um, Milo in a little, sitting in the, in, the, in the trolley, the shopping trolley. So he was a big like two and a half, and Verity was six months or something, you know, not even, and she was in a, a pack on Graham's front. It's just one of those lovely, you know, we often talk about um, you know, happy moments of joy, but this was just, you know, the world's connected and uh, and you're safe and it's, and it's just love. And it's the simple, fundamental thing. It's often the small things in life that give us the deepest joy. It's not some big glamorous holiday or sitting on a yacht. It was yes. walking around MLS and I was connected and I was with the man I love and I was with my lovely little kids, two little redheads and, you know, just shopping, it was going to be a Saturday, we're going to get something to supper that night, probably sitting in front of the TV watching something together. And and uh, Verity started really crying, and Graham said, look, I'll take her out. Yeah. I'll go outside and walk up and down. And he went outside, and I turned the corner, and I saw her just standing. And I know this is ridiculous, but of course she'd be in here because when I was a kid, Marks and Spencer was a real treat getting food from there. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was expensive, yeah. you know? Yeah, it was a real treat. So my mother would be Sainsbury's and then we'd go, Mum, can we get that salmon on croot? Or <laughs> she'd like, I'm not scarcely national. I've got cookies would be cheap. You know, it was always a, um, M&S was a treat. Yes. And of course, she always shopped in MS. You know, she was a right old lardy da. And, um, and I thought, of course she'd be here. But my heart just stopped. And I thought, turn the trolley away. And at that moment, I was like, don't turn it away. Go up to her. And I went on, I said, Rebecca. And she looked at me and she said, yes. I said, it's Mary, Sam's daughter. And she went, oh. And her face, oh, Mary, dear, how are you? I said, oh, this is my son, Milo. And my husband, Graham's outside with Verity. And I am really well. And my life now is really fantastic. Can you say the same about yours, Rebecca? That's the question I'll leave you with. And I spun the trolley around. I stopped, walked out of the shop, burst out crying out. Graham's like, what happened? You've been shoplifted. I said, what the hell? (laughs) Who's done something in there? Wow. I just moved, 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 moved. And we just walked away and I just, you know, left my trolley there. And and the three of us just stood there and said, you're okay now. You're okay. You know, it was us. It was us. It was love. Yes, yes. We're okay. We're just very, yeah. Closure, closure. Well, it's the most powerful impact statement there, isn't it? I'm happy. Mm. I'm Mm. happy. Are you? Mm. Yeah. Are you? Were you tempted? Have you you done that old thing that we often do as human beings where I could have been funnier there or I could have used this line or whatever? Have you you replayed that in your mind where you were, I don't know, more cutting or said something else or, or, or has it... Is that just perfect? What you said? I don't know whether it was perfect. It was closure for me. I don't. I don't think I did replay. I mean, I, I can't remember now. Are we talking? Yeah, twenty odd years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I can't remember. I, I mean, I'm, but look, you can't you imagine. If so many people still hang on to resentment and anger. You have to let that stuff go because it goes, stays in your body, and it makes you ill. It makes you ill. Now, listen, you, I've got a few more minutes with you because I've got Mr. Adrian Charles next. Oh, wow. I mean, <laughs> I'm simply the warm-up act for, for his lordship. So, I mean, fair, fair, play. fair play. I have a little bit of a break between it. Yes, go and have a cup of tea. Mary, it, wow, it's been the most remarkable conversation. I thank you so oh, much. Oh, how lovely. It really has. No, it's been spectacular. Where have you been? 
No, you, I, I've really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for That's your time. Right. And hopefully one day we will meet IRL because I think I sense from you a deep connection on what's right. I would love that, Mary. I would absolutely All love right. that. That would be that would be my my privilege. So I, I sincerely yeah. hope we can make that happen. Likewise, dear friend. Take care. The Andy J Podcast. Well, there you go. Oh, wasn't she wonderful? Could have chatted to Mary forever, and I and I hope and think we will actually. You heard heard at the end there. I think we will be chatting to each other again in the future about all sorts of different things. I really connected with Mary. I thought she was absolutely fantastic. I really genuinely liked her a lot. And she's one of these people, sometimes the guests extend the conversation beyond that chat with text messages and other phone calls and emails and so on. And Mary has been a, a prolific messenger to me since the conversation, and I have loved it. She's been really, really, really great. So I'm a big, 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 big fan. Um, next week on the Andy J podcast, oh yes, the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Tarrant. I believe I have a whole hour with him. I can't wait to see what happens with Mr. Chris Tarrant. I'm really looking forward to it. Now listen, you go out and spread some kindness, spread some joy, be a good person, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for your company. Bye-bye. If you're enjoying the Andy J podcast, we'd love a review. In fact, if you're enjoying the show, why not tell your friends? Podcasts live and die on, well, often word of mouth, so please tell your friends. Like, subscribe, review, and share. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.